Hello and welcome to the Inside Social Work podcast, where we take a peek behind the scenes into different fields of social work, engage and inspire practitioners, translate research into practice and encourage lifelong learning. I'm your host, Marie Vakakis. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Welcome to episode 16 of the Inside Social Work podcast. I'm talking with Dr. Kylie King, a research fellow at the Centre for Mental Health at the University of Melbourne. Welcome to the podcast, Kylie. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Marie. Did you want to give the listeners a little bit of a background um, about who you are and what you're doing and the things you're putting out into the world? Yep, sure. So, um, yeah, I started my professional life as a psychologist and worked with um, clients in a community setting, in a private setting for um, a few years. And then, like I said, I became more interested in the social drivers, the bigger um, social drivers for mental health. And so I moved into a research role in the centre. A lot of our research is quite applied and um, looking at making impacts on a, a population-wide level. So my recent work has focused on suicide prevention and in particular suicide prevention with men and looking at the influence on sort of social drivers like masculinity. It's such a topical conversation at the moment and really getting a lot of, I guess, um, more awareness in the public space. Yeah, I think so. I thought I thought it was just me because I work in this area and so then you see it. But, yeah, it seems to be that there's more and more interest in this area, which is really great to see. But I guess I feel like you're a bit I'm like, is it that I'm actively seeking out that information more or is the discourse changing? But I, I really feel like it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that it is too and there seems to be a lot more sort of um, willingness to think of it as the, the broader issue and a social issue and thinking about those aspects of masculinity that might be influencing. That feels like a bit of a newer conversation, which I think is really interesting. So what are some of the, what's some of the data showing around um, mental health, suicide prevention um, and men's mental health? What's, um, what's happening in that space? Well, um, for quite some time in Australia, we know that men account for about 75% of the deaths by suicide every year, and that trend has been around for a while. And within that group, men aged over 85 have the highest rate, followed by men in those middle years. So that's been um, something that we've been grappling with for a while, and there's a range of ideas about why that might be the case. Um, and I suppose... What I've been interested in lately is the role of um, men's help seeking for mental health and suicide concerns and the role that that plays um, and also the impact of um, masculinity and by that I mean that, that conformity to the masculine norms that we have in society. So the, the rules that govern the way men should behave and how that affects their mental health and their suicidal thoughts and feelings and their help seeking for those things. So one thing that throws people is... So older men, you said over 80 or 85, um, have the highest rate of suicide, but it's actually the leading cause of death for men under 45. Yes, yes, that's right. So for those who aren't familiar with the statistics and the data, I think that message can get confusing. Can you explain to people how that works when they hear it's a leading cause of death, but we have more men over a certain age? Well, um, I suppose we talk about the suicide rate as opposed to the total numbers that are dying by suicide. So when we talk about the suicide rate, it's the rate per 100,000 people. So the rate at which suicide occurs per 100,000 people. And that rate is highest amongst men who are older. But when we, ter- when we look at the total numbers of men that die by suicide, the numbers 
are higher for younger men. And that's because obviously there are more younger men than older men, but also because older men also die from other causes as well. So, um, and they become obviously more prevalent as you get older. But for younger people, when those other causes of death, this all sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? But when it those does. other causes of death aren't um, as highly prevalent, then suicide is the leading cause of death. So there's the highest numbers of men in those age groups that are dying by suicide. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I know the figures were kind of, especially for younger men, almost kind of on par or there's a bit of a trend with um, road traffic accidents. So we've seen a lot of effort. We use that as an example when I run mental health first aid around. We've seen a Mm -hmm. lot of... Um, public um, policy and a lot of things go into reducing the road toll. So yes. that, then that's kind of raised um, death by suicide as one of the leading causes of death for that age group as well. Yeah, it's quite alarming. And there was a recent report too, also by Beyond Blue, that looked at ambulance attendances for suicidal, um, you know, attempts and behaviours. And there was um, quite high numbers there of ambulance attendances for men as well, which suggests to us that there might be actually a lot more suicidal behaviour happening that we um, haven't previously been aware of. So we know, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of also, I guess, the fatal and non-fatal attempts. So so what's some of the language that people should be aware of when talking about suicide? I won't go into that too much so we don't have one of those dark and gloomy episodes. But um, when talking about suicide, what are some words that people shouldn't use or what's kind of a little bit more palatable or acceptable to, to say? Yes, well, I suppose the main one that comes to mind is um, people often say somebody committed suicide and a lot of people um, prefer that we don't use that term this, these days because it has legal connotations like committing a crime or something like that. So people would prefer to say they died by suicide. Yep. And also um, we prefer not to use words like a successful suicide attempt because, again, it's not successful if you're dying. That's... Um, so again, just a um, you know a fatal suicide attempt or a non-fatal suicide attempt. So it's just subtleties in language, but it can have a big impact, obviously, in how we view it, and the impact it has on people. So that's um, that's good for people to know, and I guess um, it's it's quite hard language to get your head around, and it can be quite confronting. So it's nice to hear. I guess right off the bat, we've just started talking about it. Um, yeah. So we talked, so you kind of mentioned a bit of toxic masculinity and that kind of stoic self-reliance that um, kind of depicts poor help-seeking behaviour and a lot of stigma. So do you want to talk a little bit about your research and then we'll get into um, one of the, I guess, a good news story of a program that's kind of targeting, um, challenging some of those stigmas? Yeah, sure. I just lost you for a second there in the middle, so I hope I didn't lose much, but you wanted to know more about the sort of research around masculine norms and their impact? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let me think where to start. So, yeah, so as, as you're saying, there's quite a large body of evidence that tells us that conformity to those masculine norms like self-reliance and stoicism are negative, negatively related with um, a range of mental health outcomes, including um, suicidal thinking um, and also associated with like reduced help seeking and delayed help seeking. So a lot of previous research tells us that and um, already, so there is some understanding of that. And then, as you said, we um, worked on a project called Man Up that looked at um, 
intervening, I suppose, or doing something about that, trying to understand it more and trying to see whether something could be done about that in using a media intervention. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question. Um, what is the Man Up? Um, how did it, the project get started? Um, yeah, tell us all about it because it's something I use in private practice a lot with um, oh, okay. with men to try and get them. I guess I'm clearly not a middle-aged man, so there's only so much perspective I can bring to that. So I find that's quite a helpful tool to get people hearing perspectives of other men. Um, yeah. but for, the, for the audience listening, did you want to explain a little bit about what the Man Up Project was and how I think Movember was involved in that? And Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, there was um, already a group of investigators here, which I wasn't a part of, that were undertaking the 10 to Men study, which is a longitudinal study of male health in Australia. And out of that study came a concern, of course, for the um, high suicide rate amongst men and wanting to do something about it realising that it's a, a gendered problem in lots of ways because three-quarters of deaths, as we said, were suicide deaths are by men. So um, my boss, Professor Jane Perkis, got together with a whole group of investigators and pitched the idea to Movember in one of their... Um, they put a call out for proposals for funding. And so this idea of um, Man Up, a media-based intervention, a media-based suicide prevention intervention, was put forward to Movember and Movember funded it. So um, we collaborated with an independent film company called RS Films and the Man Up documentary was created over about a year. So there was lots of consultation with um, various experts and men and people that worked with men and um, the Man Up documentary was created. And so um, Man Up is a three-part documentary of one hour each and it was aired on the ABC in 2016 across three weeks also been rescreened a couple of times and it's still on iview and i believe stand now so the documentary looked at that sort of interplay between masculinity suicide help seeking mental health trying to understand and unpack sort of the role of um you know what it means to be a man today in australia and how that was impacting on some of those things it was um the main guy in the documentary was gus wallen who's a triple m personality in sydney so he sort of was the main guy and he did a bit of a journey around Australia talking to different people about um, men's health and masculinity and suicide and trying to understand what was happening. He also, um, you know, talk, there was a lot of like everyday guys too talking about their own mental health, running experiences with suicide and um, talking about ways they had managed that. So there was a lot of modelling of like positive, you know, health behaviours and help seeking and talking about how they overcome problems. And so, yeah, that was screened on the ABC. And then before that and after that, there was also a big social media campaign. So across Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr, which our um, film people managed, of course. And um, so that happened beforehand. And the idea of the social media campaign was obviously to spread the word about Man Up, but also to engage people and get people talking about the main ideas and, you know, get some feedback and get conversations started. And um, then at the end of the the... In the final um, hour of the documentary, Gus works on a, this campaign ad, which is, has the tagline of Man Up, Speak Up, and it has um, a series of guys, you know, um, ranging from, you know, a young baby to a, a man sort of, um, and it's saying, you know, it takes, why, why do we, babies cry, why do we tell boys not to cry, and, you know, silence can kill, and it's um, yeah, really moving. But the ad um, 
was distributed into the social media world at the end of the screening of Man Up and it went viral and had over um, 50 million views. Wow. So, yeah. So it was had a really big reach, so it was really exciting. And then at Melbourne Uni, so we contributed to providing like the evidence base around the documentary and worked with the film production company. And then we also did a big evaluation of Man Up. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. So that's one of the, I guess, the first times I've ever heard a documentary be involved in a randomised control trial. Yes. Well, we were really lucky because um, Movember, oh, I suppose Jane here, I mean, the idea came from, you know, an academic centre, I suppose, in collaboration with um, RS Films. And so Movember were very keen to have it evaluated and funded it to be evaluated. So we were in a really privileged position, I suppose, of being able to do an evaluation and we were able to evaluate it before it was screened. So we were on board from the beginning in a collaboration that allowed us to plan a really rigorous evaluation of the documentary. And as far as I know, it is one of the only sort of rigorous, rigorous evaluations of a documentary-based suicide prevention campaign that, that focuses on masculinity. So there are quite a lot of, well, there's a number of other documentaries similar to that that are happening around the world, like there's The Mask You Live In in America, which I think a lot of people might have heard of or seen, and a few other ones, but um, none as, as far as I'm aware of have been evaluated as we were fortunate to be able to do. So what, what were some of the things you were hoping that the documentary would change and how are we, how were you testing those? Well, we were, we were hoping um, that the documentary would um, obviously have an impact on people and obviously it was, des- it was designed as a suicide prevention intervention, but we know that um, we wouldn't be able to detect the impact on suicide rates straight away because those data take a long time to come out. And um, so we were interested in the impact on men's um, help-seeking behaviours and intentions and also men's views of masculinity. So I suppose our hypothesis was that by focusing on masculinity, we could bring about a change to men's help-seeking and that this would ultimately lead on to an improvement in men's mental health and wellbeing and hopefully a reduction in suicide. So we did a randomised control trial and um, I'm not sure if all your listeners would know what that was about, but basically it's about um, testing uh, intervention in a controlled environment. So half of our participants, well, they didn't know they were in a study that was testing the impact on Man Up. So they didn't know that to start with. And then half the participants viewed our Man Up documentary and half of our participants viewed another documentary. And then we assessed them all um, before they viewed the documentary and after they viewed the documentary on a set of measures. And this way, and they were randomly assigned to um, watch either the documentary or Man Up. And so in this way, they they didn't know what they were being uh, tested for, I guess, for a bit of a word. And um, we didn't know either. So we didn't know which group participants were in. They didn't know which group they were in. And so by doing it that way, you can be reasonably confident that any changes that you see are because of the documentary that they've watched. So that way we could compare the two groups and see how they differed after watching their respective documentaries. That's about as as fun as I've heard statistics be explained. So. <laughs> well, that's a great compliment. <laughs> um, that's um, yeah. So that it was. How many participants did you have? My memory is just under four hundred. But was yeah. it? 
Yep. Yes, it was 354 in the end, I think, did all stages of the, um, the trial with us. And we, so we had 169, if my memory's right, men who viewed the Man Up documentary. And what does that leave? One, can't do my maths that quickly. The rest watched the other documentary. Yeah. And so what were some of the positive outcomes for that? So you measured immediately afterwards and then at intervals? We measured um, immediately after they watched. So we um, did a set of measures um, before they watched the documentary. Immediately after we asked them a brief um, set of questions just for their open-ended feedback about, you know, what they thought about the documentary and, you know, the bits they liked, the bits they didn't like. And then four weeks later, we um, emailed them out a survey, which was a repeat of the measures that we had asked them at the beginning. So it was four weeks after viewing was when we, we um, sent those measures out again. And those set of measures that we asked were, um, there was a measure of um, likelihood to seek help. So their, um, let me word this right. So the um, like, their um, likelihood that they would seek help if they had a personal or emotional problem the likelihood that they would recommend that a male or female friend sought help. We also had a measure of conformity to masculine norms. That's what the scales calls. So it's um, uh, questions related to various masculine norms of self-reliance and stoicism and others, and it assesses people's um, adherence or conformity to those norms, so the, the degree to which they agree with them, I guess. Then we also had a measure of um, social support and well-being and resilience and um, suicidality, so suicidal thoughts and behaviours. And improvements across all the help-seeking and stigma reduction measures? I forgot that bit. Yes, so we found <laughs> um, significant increases in men who had watched the Man Up documentary. When we compared them to the people that, to the men that who watched the other documentary, we found that they had a significant increase in their reported likelihood of seeking help if they had a personal or emotional problem. They also had um, an increase in the likelihood that they would recommend that a male and female friend would seek help. And they also showed a small reduction in their conformity to masculine norms. So we were really excited to see that because changes in masculinity had not been something that had been tested before and after an intervention. So that was really exciting to see. And obviously help seeking was the thing that we were trying to get at all along and was our primary outcome for the trial. So we were really excited to see that. That was a really significant finding. And then we also, that was on the measures. And then we also had a whole bunch of open-ended questions that we asked so that where people could expand upon the impact that it had on themselves and their lives and like I said, the things they liked, the things they didn't like. And we also found in that that there was a... Um, the men who watched Man Up talked a lot about increased awareness. So they were much more aware of suicide as a, as a problem and the, the rates of suicide. And they were much more aware of sort of mental health issues. They reported uh, much more awareness of um, other people's emotional lives. So what other people might be going through and um, realising that, you know, they weren't the only ones that might think those things sometimes. And also there was a strong desire for men to help others so to both seek a help for themselves and to help other people as well. So that's a really positive outcome for a documentary. We thought so. Yeah, it was. And the, the open-ended responses were really amazing and very moving. So it was all typed out and people provided really um, personal examples and information and um, insights into their 
um, changing thoughts and behaviours and examples of when they'd sought help and examples of when they'd reached out to help other people. So I think, yeah, I think the men were, were quite moved by the content and um, it had brought about quite a lot of changes in attitudes that were leading on to some changes in behaviours as well. It's such an exciting project to see um, developed so locally as well and have that research component as well as a medium that's a little bit more accessible for people. Yeah, it was really good. It was really exciting for us to be able to do an evaluation that had like a real world impact and outcome. So the ABC were also really interested in the evaluation. They were really keen to see what the impact of Man Up was because we did it before the documentary was screened on television. So it meant that they could use some of our findings in their promotional materials for the show, which was really nice. So, yeah, it was, it was really good all round. So what are some of the um, ways that mental health practitioners can use this tool? How would you suggest they integrate it um, into some of their work? What, what can they consider? What are some of the potential risks? Yeah, um, yeah that's, I think that's really interesting to think about. And I believe there has been some educational resources developed from Man Up that we could hunt down people that were interested. But I think in terms of working with clients, I think it just really raises in, like I've worked as a psychologist before myself in practice and I don't think I'd fully sort of grasped the, um, the impact of sort of the pressures that men face to conform to sort of certain ways of thinking and behaviour. I hadn't fully grasped the, the impact on that for men and also the, the strong pressure on men to sort of conceal what they were feeling inside to the, to the extreme point where they really didn't realise that other people were feeling the same way that they were. I don't think I'd fully grasped that. So even just from a personal level, I think watching Man Up as a practitioner is really informative. And um, and I think um, I have heard of um, practitioners, one of the investigators on our evaluation was um, a psychologist who still works in practice and she uses some of the Man Up material with her clients and gets her clients to go and watch Man Up and she's found that really helpful for um, some of her um, people that she sees. But yeah, I think also, I think yeah for practitioners, I think it's just a really great insight into um, the pressures that are on men in relation to their emotional lives and maybe um, the importance perhaps of raising that with male clients in sessions. And also, um, I really think that one of the big findings for me too was around that awareness raising that I think that was really um, important and really valuable. So to let people understand that, um, you know, other people feel the, the way that they do and that it's not uncommon, I think was a huge learning for um, the participants in our study. And I think that would be very meaningful for men to understand if they were seeking help, removing some of that stigma around it. Yeah. So would you recommend that people give it a, give it a go, watch it, um, maybe watch it twice, once for just enjoyment and once to see how they would integrate that into their clients and what age groups they would potentially see it as being appropriate for? Yeah, perhaps so, because there's, there's, um, there's quite a few different segments in the documentary. As I said, Gus, Gus sort of travels around and talks to different people, so it might be a bit different segments have different relevance to um, different people. So, and in terms of risks, I was just thinking about that then as you were talking to, I didn't mention that. There were a few participants in our studies that did report negative impacts of MANUP, which I think is important to acknowledge because it is, it is um, some heavy content, I guess. We're talking about suicide and mental health. Although a lot of our participants told us that it was presented in, you know, a lighthearted kind of humorous way that made it 
you know, that Cotton lightened a dark topic, I think one of our participants said. So I don't think viewers found it um, distressing or dark, but there were a couple of um, participants that did say that it, you know, it sort of made them think about um, suicidal thoughts, or there were a couple of people that said they found it, um, you know, that there was some, they might have found it a little bit overwhelming, you know, wanting to make changes but not feeling able to. So it's worth acknowledging that and that it would be um, important to talk that through with clients as well, I think. So I think to use it in a complementary way to work with clients would be great to be able to talk through the different things that it raises. But um, generally it wasn't um, harmful overall and um, we didn't have any recommendations out of the evaluation regarding that other than just the importance of um, you know, providing sources of support for people if they needed it. And I guess if you're recommending it to a client, they're already interacting with you, yeah. so they're already um, engaging in a bit of help. So how would you reach out to other men? Like I'm, I'm hoping that when I recommend it to people, they then watch it with someone or it helps them start a conversation or even reinforce a message that I've perhaps um, used in a session one-on-one -on -one and just kind of helps them take it to that next level in their own time? Yeah. Well, there's also the website. The website is still there, themanup.org.au, and there's heaps of information there as well that people could just read through at their own leisure, including some psychoeducational materials, and there's a page that has links to help-seeking organisations there. So that's if someone didn't feel up to watching a whole documentary, there's that at well as well that could be sort of distributed to a broader audience or for people to digest in their own time. Great, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes along with um, any of the educational resources you've mentioned. Yes, I will try to hunt them down. I'm not sure where they are. I'll do my best. That's okay. Otherwise, there's also um, a few write-ups in various sort of in the APS um, and a few other things that I could link to so people can kind of get an overview of what the research says and um, oh, yeah, yeah. how it's been used. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if you're aware of that. Yeah, there's that InPsych article, which is um, our one of our co-investigators, Andrea Phelps, wrote, who's also a practitioner. So. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, uh, going yes, through it now. About, um, sort of that sort of implications for practice, which was um, a really good article. Excellent. Um, any other tips for, I mean, we could have a whole conversation on masculinity and vulnerability and men's suicide, but I really, I mean, I really wanted to just talk about the Man Up project specifically, but any kind of just general tips or words of wisdom for those working with, working with men and talking about men's mental health that they can kind of take away and, and try and do a little bit differently? Um. I suppose I could just speak from my own perspective and I, I think it's just that understanding that those so those masculine norms that we all thought kind of were long dead uh, are kind of not in fact and those um, pressures to be self-reliant, to solve problems on your own and to not show emotional weakness I think are still very much alive and kicking but a lot of the participants I think in our study reported a, a, a strong desire to move away from that and to be more emotionally expressive especially in the way that they raise children there was a lot of um, comments about how men wanted to raise children in a world that was free of those pressures um, on both men and women so yeah I think it's just to keep that probably in your mind that um, you know that men probably are very willing to talk about things and, and want to be able to be emotionally expressive but there's a lot of pressure to be otherwise 
So, yeah, I think just to be mindful of, of that. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so if people want to find out more, they can head to the manup.org.au website. Um, they can access the documentary on ABC iView. And, and Stan. Stan. Yeah, I think you can get to it from the website too. Okay, but, great. Um, and people can contact me directly by email if they like, if they have any sure. questions about the evaluation. I'll add your email onto that. Um, awesome. It was really nice chatting to you. I was so interested in the um, the project and um, I'm so glad that there's a lot of work being done around how do we integrate that in therapy because it's still quite current. It's only a couple of years old and there's still a lot of yeah. people who haven't heard of it. So it's still kind of trickling through. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you for your interest and for continuing <laughs> to spread the word. Thanks, Kylie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode's resources and don't forget to click subscribe and review us wherever it is you get your podcasts.